The following podcast is sponsored by Endgame PR, a social media PR firm based near Richmond, Virginia. To learn more about how Endgame PR can help your business with media relations, social media management, content creation, and even podcast production, please visit endgamepr.com. That's E-N-D-G-A-M-E-P-R.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special off-season edition, host George Templeton reviews what's been happening since the last time the Rams hit the court. And now, here's George. Well, welcome to a, uh, a somber and somewhat differently planned VCU Rams Rewind than I had imagined, because I did imagine doing one tonight. And talking about uh, the uh, the fact that we finally have a full schedule, I think it's been out. Of, it was took it was only like a week or two weeks ago that we finally got the full schedule because we finally got the A10 schedule. And then we had an interesting tweet from uh, uh, Barstool's Bet the Hoops account about the odds to who wins the A10 and where VCU sat in that, and also the Blue Ribbon account and their predictions. And that's what I thought I was going to talk about. And then, like many of you. I saw, or some of you maybe who watched this, I saw the tweet from John Rothstein detailing the injury for Jameer Watkins, who tore his ACL this morning. I was sitting in the line at work at uh, the Amazon station, getting ready to uh, get my packages and uh, load them into the truck. And I swore under my breath, not loudly, because I didn't want too many people to hear me and maybe get put off by it or get in trouble or anything like that. But it was. Uh, I was just beside myself. Uh, Jameer Watkins tore his ACL in his right knee during practice. I actually thought for some reason, I thought practice hadn't started yet. Shows what I know because it used to be like October 10th uh, is my recollection is when you'd have midnight madness and that would be the official start of practice and all that. But I guess it's been moved back earlier because, of course, October 16th is, is the black and gold game. Uh, so I guess, you know, they have to get going before that, but Jameer Watkins is, uh, tore his ACL. He's out for the year and boy, this leaves VCU in a difficult situation. And before I get further than that, let me just say, uh, uh, thanks for everybody for listening. And I need to shout out, uh, somebody in our fan group, uh, on Facebook, uh, VCU, the good, the bad, the uh, VCU, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, uh, I've got VCU basketball fans, the good, bad, and the ugly April D Hirsch has sent me a bunch of uh, VCU shirts uh, that she had no more room for. So when I do, uh, you, you can't see them, on the obviously, as we're listening to them. But if you're in the fan group and you see me doing a post-game pod with a video, uh, I will be wearing a variety of VCU shirts throughout the year, thanks to her, and I want to thank her. So this is a tough, tough situation for VCU because, of course, Ace Baldwin out out likely for the whole year with with the torn Achilles although you know he was he was progressing along fairly quickly it'll be interesting to see what coach Rhodes says uh what kind of progress reports we're going to get on on him as they continue to get ready as we lead up to the start of the season so there's your point guard Jameer Watkins that's your starting uh two guard or small forward uh he can play uh he can play either I would say uh, your small forward so there's your starting small forward and of course our, our two guard from last year, 
is uh, was was uh, all he did was get drafted in round one by the NBA's Denver Nuggets. Uh, that would be Bones Highland, Deshaun Bones Highland, of course. So that's your one, two, and three that you might have thought when the season was cut short uh, because of COVID last year. That might that was the one, two, and three you would have had in mind for this time of the year as they were getting ready to start the season. Now that's out. Uh, that is out the window. So what does that mean for us? Well. In, in just raw terms, this is what we're talking about. Highland, Watkins, and Baldwin represents 33 points per game gone. Um, Baldwin is 114 assists, so you're talking, just to quick math in my head, probably somewhere around four and a half, well, maybe not four and a half, just a little over four assists a game. Also led the team in steals. He had 55 steals last year. That's what you're talking about there as well. Uh, so this is serious production we're missing. So what are we looking at here as the people to step up? Well, Vince Williams is the obvious one. He took a huge leap forward, up to 10 points a game. Did an amazing job to go from 20% as a three-point shooter the previous season to this one, the 1920 season to over 41% as a three-point shooter this year, and to go from making six threes to making 43. So that's absolutely outstanding. Shot nearly 80% from the foul line. You're going to look at Vince Williams, and you're going to ask yourself, can he take another step forward like that? And it's a lot to ask because, again, you know, the, the temptation's going to be we're going to have to lean on Vince Williams and some of the other guys we're going to talk about. We're going to have to play them a lot more minutes. But remember... The style of play that we have depends on playing lots of players and keeping a furious energy up, especially on defense. And remember, we're going to be leaning on this defense more than ever because at least initially, I don't care who you are, uh, it is hard to replace that kind of offensive production. You know, your, num your number one scorer, your number one assist man from last year, uh, you know, that's that's a lot of offensive production to replace at once, and you just don't do it. I mean, unless things really come together, and I should don't do it right away. And remember something, it's not as if VCU, even in the good years under Mike Rhodes, have been a great offensive team. They were in the 160s a couple years back when they won the regular season and got beaten around one of the tournament by UCF. Last year, they were 122 in adjusted offense. They were 14th in defense. So, again, we're going to continue to hang our hat defensively, and, and some of the guys that we're, that we're going to talk about in a little bit could help there. But offensively, can Vince Williams take another quantum leap forward? Could he get to, you know, 16, 17 points a game? I don't think being a very high-volume guy is his game. That's, that's just my opinion. You know, you you look at you look at it. He did take the second most shots last year and the second most threes, but it's light years behind Highland. Highland took 340 shots, 186 of them were threes. Vince Williams takes 203 shots, and 104 of them are threes. So, I mean, you're talking about I I don't, and that's the thing. To me, he was so effective last year, especially in the early part of the season, that I I think you've got to be careful about going too far with that that you don't want to want him to overdo it in that in that sense because it might limit his effectiveness and of course remember you know defensively is where he's also 
made a huge impact for this team, uh, Vince Williams. Uh, you know, 27 steals. It's the fourth most on this team. Uh, and, and one of the guys ahead of him was a guy that got, unfortunately, only played the 16 games and got kicked off the team, uh, Jimmy Clark, you know, Trey Clark. Uh, but, you know, you're talking about, you know, only Highland and Baldwin had more than them, and both of them are not here. So, you know, that he's going to be very important on that end as well. Hassan Ward. Now this is now he's averaged six points a game. You know, played you know great great athlete. Really came on. You know, shot the ball well from the foul line. Almost seventy five percent. He was seventy three point three. But of course, he's going to have to get to the foul line more. Fifty eight percent from the field. That's great on one hundred and fifteen shots. But can he be a consistent scorer? Because look, if you don't have a Highland, if you don't have somebody averaging almost twenty points a game. You need three guys in double figures to have a chance. So Vince is one. Who are the other two that are going to be consistent double-figure scores? Hassan Ward is one. Has Hassan Ward worked on his offensive game enough that that he's going to be able that he's going to be able to be a consistent score, to be a consistent 10 to 11 point per game score because that's what we're looking for. You know, defensively he's going to have a big impact. 61 blocks last year, one of the best in the country. I, I expect the block party to continue. I expect the dunk party to continue. But it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than just getting rebounds and stickbacks. You know, he's got, he absolutely has to have some, to show some sort of back-to-the-basket game or some kind of, you know, little jump or jump hook or whatever so that we can get him the ball inside and it can at least every now and then say we get him the ball inside, he posts up, he takes somebody to t- school, gets it in there for us. Levi Stockard is another one, 6.5 points per game. Another guy who shot the ball well from the field, 55% on 125 shots, pretty good. You know, could be better at the foul line, but 24-37, almost 65%, actually not bad for a big guy. But can he be more consistent? Because, and And this is going to depend on how – Rhodes uses him because, you know, how many times did we see him start a game hot, then get taken out for a while and not come back in? Again, got to use the Army concept. I understand that, and you need a certain you need a certain frenetic energy on defense that snaps a lot of energy. But I'm looking at Levi Stockard playing 16 minutes a game, and I'm thinking that's got to go up. That has to go up. Uh, and then you're looking at guys like Josh Banks, who you know flashed some last year. Keyshawn Curry, who we really missed when he was injured. I can't wait to see him come back. I, you know, Keyshawn Curry could have a really could have a real big say and a real big stake in what happens here. And I'm excited for him to play. And I hope he's going to play this year. And I hope he's going to be great. And I think he's capable of being great for us this year. So guys like that. And then of course we're going to be relying. On the new guys, and we got a lot of them coming in. We got three transfers, uh, you know. We got three transfers and two high schoolers coming in. Two guys, high schoolers coming in. Jalen Deloach, who we're all excited about, uh, out of Georgia, is one of those guys. You got to think that there's big time opportunity for him uh, coming in. Jimmy Nichols, Jimmy Nichols from Providence, Marcus Sahonis from Washington. Uh, they've got to be big minutes. There's got to be big minutes available for both of them as well. So Honus in the backcourt, Nichols in the frontcourt. And to me, it's like if we can find 
three double-digit scores per game unless somebody actually goes that Highland level and can get almost 20 per game. And again, I think that's asking a lot of everybody. And what I and and we can maintain that kind of frenetic, tough defensive stance that's been the hallmark. I mean, look, you know, in in the uh in the first year we made the tournament on the roads, we were in the top, you know, we were as high as like fifth in the country in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm's Ken Pomeroy's metrics. And then last year we were twelfth, and even in a in a in an awful year in nineteen and nineteen twenty, I think we're still we were still in like the top forty or fifty in defensive efficiency. So you know that's we've got to hang our hat on that. But we have these opportunities. We have all, we have to get better at the offense because again, as good as our team was last year, you it is hard to get into the tournament and to advance when you struggle on offense like we did at times. And you know, 122nd in offensive efficiency. It's just it's just not that good. And and yes, it's balanced out by being 14th in defensive efficiency, but when you look at the very best teams, you know, they they're having that kind of defensive efficiency and their offense is really great too. The national champions Baylor were 22nd in defensive efficiency, so they were actually behind VCU, they were second in offensive efficiency and they did that playing fairly slow tempo as well. So, you know, that's that's what you're up against. Uh, in, in, that's what that's the kind of measuring stick you're talking about when you're talking about the last year's champions, and of course, when we talk about the schedule in a minute, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about potential to maybe play them in in an in season tournament, but we'll see. So, you know, I, I I don't think we have to change a lot, but I do think that it that it's going to be very tough this year. I think if if this team gets into the tournament, this coaching staff will have done a hell of a job because look. It is going to take probably anywhere from four or five or six games to maybe nine or ten to figure this out, to figure out our rotations and how they're going to work, to figure out this offense. And even if you like the fact that we start with two home games, you'd expect us to win St. Peter's and Wagner. They do have a road game at Vanderbilt. Yes, they've been pretty terrible, but it is a Power 5 team. They get one home game, and then they go to the tournament in, 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 in the battle for Atlantis there. Where they could play Syracuse, or you know, in, in, where they're going to play Syracuse in Game One, and then you know Baylor or Arizona State in Game Two, you know, we might be still figuring things out when we get to Atlantis, and that's going to make things tough. So, you know that that's going to be the key, and I think it's going to be it's going to it's really going to take it's going to take almost all these new guys to come in and, and contribute right away, and maybe not all of them needs to contribute that big, but just give us something off the bench. A little bit, or give it, you know, and in, in, in the case of guys like Nichols and Sahonis, if they end up starting, and who knows, they might, you know, give us give us serious minutes, start in these games, and hopefully, you know, we see these improvement from these young players like Banks, like Brown Jones, you know, Keyshawn Curry comes back because I mean, you know, he only averaged five point eight points per game, but I thought Keyshawn Curry was such a key player for us because he could spell both Highland. And and Ace Baldwin in the backcourt, and he really just and he was a very good defensive player as well. And I think he just I think he did a wonderful job for this team. And I really am looking forward, really looking forward to having him back because I think it would be absolutely crucial, absolutely crucial, uh, what he can do here. And again, he's he's somebody that has a talent to help pick this team up, and 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 
you know, and pick up some of the production that's missing. So, you know, that, that's the situation there. I, I wanted to start with that because, golly Moses, just to sit there and see that this morning. I mean, you talk about an awful start to the day. And I know anybody that's listening to this is just is just feeling sick because you know today's Baldwin thing was a, was a punch in the gut, and and you know that came around the time when it was looking more and more likely that Bones was going to leave, and that was you know that was that was even though it was we were all celebrating on draft night, you know there I mean I think all of us felt still felt that man what we wanted to see him come back and get revenge for us getting screwed in the old. Uh, by old COVID and all the nonsense with the NCAA and, and have him just wreck shop on everybody. And, you know, he could have easily been first team all American and had a, and even had a dip at, at some national awards and we didn't get that. So that's the tough thing. All right, let's do this. Uh, let's do this next part. Uh, uh, let's do this. Let's talk about the schedule right now, because uh, since I mentioned it already, you know, we talked about the non-conference schedule has been out for a while. And, and what's going on with, you know, Battle of Atlantis and all that. But now the conference schedule is out. And what's interesting is about that for me is we're talking about usually with VCU, it's February. February is the month that kind of tells the tale. February is the month because quite often a lot of really tough games are backloaded because that's the way that's the way the A-10 likes it for television, and I think they also like it that way because you have the opportunity to get big wins at the end of the year, which gets the committee noticed. But I'm looking at this here, and I have to say it is January that's going to make the big difference. Uh, VCU starts their, uh, their, their conference schedule with a, with a state rival. They start with Mason on December 30th, which is interesting. So they don't have, as is often the case, sometimes we get a conference game before Christmas. We don't have that this year. We'll have it after the Christmas break, and it's and what's interesting about that too is, leading up to the Christmas break, you know we have a we have a nice long homestand after the after the uh, tournament uh, after the battle for Atlantis, we've got seven of eight games at home, with the one road game being the trip down to Norfolk for the annual battle with ODU, uh, and then we've got leading up to Christmas after after the winter after the semester's over. Florida Atlantic at home, Penn State at home in the return game of that unbelievable game that we played up there uh, where we lost at the buzzer. And then New Hampshire, and then nine days off from New Hampshire after everybody has their Christmas ham and turkey and whatever else has a nice Christmas, we start with a conference game. So that's going to be interesting. You know, George Mason is a team that is in serious transition, had so many players enter the transfer portal and leave. You know, Kim English is going to be is, – is, is, has had to do a lot of patchwork. It's his first head coaching job. You'd like to think that that's the kind of start you want, but you just wonder how a team, how VCU is going to do coming off a nine-day break like that. You know, first game after Christmas, you you wonder if they they might be a little off their game. We'll see about that. Then we have January, and this is a loaded January. Davidson, second day of the new year at home. Dayton on the road, St. Bonaventure's on the road in the middle of the month, and then you finish with Davidson again on the road and Richmond at the Robin Center to finish January. You do have GW, St. Joe's, and LaSalle, all teams that are predicted to be in the bottom uh, part of that uh, bottom part of the A10. Uh, let me see here, just looking at uh, just looking at what Blue Ribbon has. Uh, LaSalle's picked 13th, GW's picked 
picked twelfth, uh, and St. Joe's is picked eleventh. It's funny because I thought St. Joe's wasn't playing bad at the end of the season last year, so I thought they might there might be a little more momentum behind them, but not the case. So, but that is a tough, that is a tough tough month. That is a tough month. St. Bonaventure, Davidson, and Richmond and Dayton on the road. So that's that is, you know, that is that is one, two, three, four, five of your top. I think that's five of your top seven teams in the conference on the road. Uh, oh, excuse me, four of them because it's Dayton, St. Bonnie's, Davidson, Richmond. So that's four of your top seven on the road in the same month. Whew! I mean, that's. That's gonna be some hard work right there. That's gonna be some that's gonna be some tough sledding. You know, VCU was picked to finish third by Blue Ribbon. Uh and and Bet the Hoops had him at plus six hundred, so six to one. I would imagine though that uh the six to plus six hundred is gonna go up or should. Because again, Watkins is a is a big injury. There's no sugarcoating that. What was interesting is that St. Bonaventure is a huge favorite because very rarely in when you get conference odds, you get a team that's minus. At the top, and St. Bonaventure's is minus. They're minus one thirty-four, so they're about ten. They're about ten to thirteen to win the conference, um, you know. And they got Lofton and Holmes back, uh, who are on Blue Ribbon's uh, all-conference team. So that's understandable. That fantastic backcourt is back, and what a great, you know whoever starts in our backcourt, what a challenge to have to go up against those two guys. Uh, by the way, that's one of the games that's going to be on national TV, January 14th, ESPN2 for that game. I, I think hopefully if we've had a good start in the conference, you know, that'll be a battle near near or at the top of the conference, and we'll all be looking forward to that. Uh, so January is packed. And after January, then you get three home games, Dayton, Duquesne, and Rhode Island. That ought to be, that ought to be good for us, you'd think. Then up to Fairfax to play Mason where we've often done well, Fordham on the road, where we've often done well, Richmond at home, UMass on the road. That's that's kind of a weird one because that's an eight-day break. Uh, so that's, you know, we have two eight-day breaks in the conference schedule. Uh, they play St. Bonaventures. They get eight days off uh, on the 14th, and then they play St. Joe's at home. That's probably not so bad. Richmond at home, eight days, and then play UMass. That could be tricky, but at least – you know that Richmond game at at the Siegel Center, which is also on ESPN two. That could be really, really emotional. That could be a really draining game. So they might need the eight days off there. Then it's you know then you finish up with St. Bonaventure at home and St. Louis on the road. That's two uh, pretty large games. That if the conference goes the way Blue Ribbon has, you could you could be talking about fighting for uh, a very high seed position for one of those top four spots and you get the double buy into the quarterfinals. And that's the thing. You know, I think we all, even without Bones Highland, we thought this was a pretty good team. Now you don't have Watkins. Now you don't have Baldwin. I think if they can get if they can get into that top four slot and get that double buy into the quarterfinals, they will they will have done well. I would certainly be happy with that. You know, I I was having a conversation with somebody who was talking about the A10 might be weak this year. I don't know if I agree with that, but if that person's correct. And we and we don't take advantage of some of these non-conference games because we're kind of figuring ourselves out when we play them. Then it really is going to be all about the A10 tournament in terms of hopes of getting in to the big dance. And of course, the A10 tournament is in the nation's capital this year. Um, 
ooh, that's that's something I'm going to have to mull over and think about uh, uh, for later. Uh, and it, you know, it'd be nice with having it there if we could have a really good seed and have a chance to stick around, and of course, have an absolutely massive crowd uh, for that game. So that's that's something that that's something that that we should be pointing toward. But let's 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 not be fooling ourselves here. This is a massive, massive massive challenge this year without Watkins, without Baldwin, with Highland in the NBA. You know, this is, <laughs> unfortunately for us, <laughs> of all the things we could have thought when we got screwed in March because of COVID, uh, I don't think any of us could have imagined or, or even wanted to, to contemplate the fact that our light, that the guys that we would have had in our lineups for, for November the 9th when they would – play their first game would not include the guys playing one, two, and three uh, for us. And that's exactly, unfortunately, what's happened. So I will, we'll see, we'll see, we will see what's what uh, when we start with a black and gold scrimmage, which again, by the time this gets out to you guys, will be just two weeks away. I'll be very interested to see how these guys, how these guys, especially the new guys look. Uh, play playing for playing for VCU, and just how quickly the coaching staff can figure out how they want to play offensively, and if they if are they going to use the Army approach, are they going to keep up that frenetic defensive style that they have? Can they do it? Can they do it without these guys who were you know who were absolutely essential to their success last year? Again, Watkins, as somebody said in 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 the thread in one of the threads in our fan Facebook group. He was due for a breakout, just like the one Vince Williams had, and I think that was absolutely correct. I think there's no doubt about it. Watkins was going to be a big-time player this year. I don't think it was out of the realm of possibility that Watkins could have got himself onto an all-conference team. I think he, you know, he took a pretty big step forward, especially later in the year, and he certainly had it in him to take a big step forward again. And look, you know, we're going to put a lot on Vince Williams, but I love the way Vince Williams was playing last year. No, there's, that's no secret. Anybody that listened to these uh, Rams Rewind games know that I thought he was just absolutely fantastic, especially early in the season. Um, and, and you know, he's. I think a lot of people are going to look at him and look for him to be the leader here because he's been here. He's played really well. Uh, you know, he. I think he, he really gets it in terms of you know he gets what the school's all about. He gets what the program is all about. He he you you don't see him take plays off or 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 not do what he's supposed to on either end of the floor. He's absolutely he's absolutely putting it all out there, and you just you just you know you just love watching him play. And it's a lot to ask you know for him to take another huge step forward again and be you know a 14, 15, 16 point per game player. But that's that's going to be one of the things we're looking at is can he can he do that and help fill this void that we've got to fill because again 33 points per game it's massive it is massive any unless you're one of these teams that gets you know that has players leave every year for the NBA and gets you know five star recruits to replace them right away it is hard to replace that kind of production uh, from one season to the next it's very very difficult so. It's gonna take. It's gonna take just about everybody uh, bunking in, mucking in, and doing doing the hard work and doing the dirty stuff on both ends of the floor. If any team can do it, 
with the mentality they have, and any coaching staff can get a team to do it, it is this one. So I, I'm not as bullish. Like I say, I think if they get in the top four, they'll have done extraordinarily well at this point. And look, historically, that's what it takes to win this tournament. Granted, I know VCU's the only time they won the A-10 tournament. They weren't in the top four, and they won four games in four days. And thankfully, we're going to have a normal tournament and not that silliness we had with the with the one week later final uh, that caused us all the problems in the first place but you know it's at, it's asking a lot because you know if you're in that four or five and you have to play that first day you got to win two games just to get your hands on St. Bonaventure who likely you know who at least today is 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 a pretty big favorite to be that number one seed uh in the tournament come come March but you know we are getting ahead of ourselves a little bit I'm just I'm still somewhat optimistic, but it is the the, the Watkins news that that really was that really kind of hit me like a ton of bricks today, just because I can't believe it. And look, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are questioning. We must be doing something wrong. The coaching staff, the training staff must be doing wrong. If this was a rash of soft tissue and muscle injuries and strains, I'd absolutely be on board with you because if you're not, if your training regimen is wrong, that is what happens. Your team, you you got guys that are straining their hamstrings and turning their ankles and doing all kinds of things to themselves like that. That's that's where your training re- regimen is off. You're not getting, you're not doing the right things to get players ready to play. That's when you kind of go at the coaching staff and say, "What are you doing? These are freak injuries. Tearing your Achilles." is a freak injury. It just, I mean, look, it just happens. It just, it ha- and it happens to the very best. It ha- just happened to Kevin Durant. It happened, you know, I think it's, it happened to freaking Kawhi Leonard. It just happens. Tearing your ACL is the sort of thing that, ha- just, that just happens. And look, I've seen football players do that and keep playing and not know it. So it's one of those things. Sometimes it just happens. I don't think this is a case this is something that you can attack the coaching staff or the training staff on. These are really serious freak injuries. This is not this is not the sort of I mean, it can happen anytime. If this had happened against the, in the black and gold game, we'd all be mad. But that's you've got to play these games to get ready. You've got to practice to get ready. You've got because you got to get your body right for what you're going to go up against and for all the physicality that a normal game against opponents is going to have. You just can't put these guys in bubble wrap and expect them to be ready to play. That's not how this works. So that's I, I, I want to end on that because there have been complaints. I've seen them from from some of my, from some of my friends about this, and it's just it. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can't. Don't attack people for something that's not their fault. I've seen some revisionist history about prior coaches and what they did to get players ready and all that and saying, oh, that was bad too. You weren't saying that when the team was successful and we didn't have injuries like these when we were doing, you know, those kinds of things. So please, you know, spare me the, spare me the revisionist history and the Monday morning quarterbacking. I am not here for that because it's, you know, there's plenty of things to criticize the coaching staff on. I don't know. I've done plenty of it doing this, doing this podcast in the last, you know, nine or ten months or however long we've been doing it now. Let's let's stick to the things that are worth criticizing and are, are fair criticisms and not and not go back and 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 
and re and redo history and Monday morning quarterback on things that we weren't criticizing at the time. Let's just not do that. So that is it for this podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, Podbean and any of your other podcast platforms that are on, give us a listen, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple uh, because that really helps us as well. Like it and share it around with your friends and all that other stuff. And uh, we'll get to work on some other things as we lead up into the season. And just think, you know, by the time you hear this podcast, it's going to be about two weeks away from the black and gold game. And we'll actually get to see some of these new players and get to see what the returners are going to do and all that. We're all looking forward to that. November 1st is the uh, exhibition. I think it's with Virginia Union is uh, what I thought I saw uh, when I was uh, looking at it. I think it's – I think it's Virginia Union that we're playing on. Yeah, uh, no, excuse me, Virginia State on November 1st. Definitely looking forward to that as well. So thank you all for listening. This is VCU Rams Rewind. I'm George Templeton. Follow me on Twitter at TempTheRat. Follow uh, VCU Rams Rewind on Twitter as well. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.